Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined by the one and only, the so lovely Mona Schroff. Mona, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always excited to talk to you, Bree. Thank you. Um, Happy 2024, Mona. Like, how has it started for you so far? Um, Well, happy 2024 to you, too. So I think I kind of um, walked into 2024 a little bit more... Uh, I don't know if it's calm is the right word, but just a little bit more slowly um, than I have in the past. I feel like um, 2023 was like a really big and busy year for us and our family. And um, I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't really feel like making resolutions or intentions. I'm just going to take it as it comes this time. So, and I'm still kind of in that little bit of a low-key mood. It's not like I don't want to work or anything. I'm happy to do it and I enjoy it, but a little bit more low-key of an entrance this year, I think. It's kind of weird for me. I'm usually the like, oh my God, it's a brand new year. Let's do this. Let's do this. And this year I'm like, I'll get to it. (laughs) I'll get to it. Yeah. I love that you say that because I think that especially, I don't know, I guess maybe with the rise of TikTok and there, it feels like there are more and more influencers. Like the thing is to have a mood board or a vision board and to set a word and to have goals. And I really like the approach of just being like, you know, I'm going to ease into this year and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I certainly applaud everybody for doing the mood board and the vision. I've done all of these, you know, like set an intention, set a word. And I do love, um, I love a new year and I get a second one when we do Diwali in um, at the in like fall time. And I always love it because I feel like it's such a great chance to sort of do like a rebirth and, you know, like reassess and all of that. But this 20, this New Year's Eve, I mean, I had a fabulous New Year's Eve with my family. I just was like, you know what? I'm just not there. We're just going to let, we're going to see what happens. We're going to ride a little bit. So yeah, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, around Christmas, you posted, and I mean, you did have a busy year because you, okay, it's interesting because the first time you came on the podcast, we talked about how nobody gives you like really instructions of like when your babies leave home. And then your beautiful daughter got married last year and you posted like a group photo around Christmas and you all looked so stunning. You looked so beautiful. Um, how has that transition been like, okay, baby is out of the house, but like now our family has grown. Yeah. You know, that is, that has been absolutely, um, fantastic. You know, I get a, I get, you can't see me, but I get a little teary eyed just thinking about it. Um, you know, the whole wedding planning, that was like the whole year, but, um, you know, it was so wonderful to like be with my family while we were going through this. She's the she is that, um, you know, all those TikToks that are out there. She and I are both like that first daughter, first granddaughter, first niece, first everything in the family. So, of course, all the resources are all about her and her getting married. And her husband um, is so lovely and his family is so sweet. Um, and we just um, we just love having him. He just he's seamlessly melted into our family, you know. So, you know, now I'm just like, well, now I have three kids and it's just been really a very positive um, experience and, you know, just one of those um, HEA moments, right? Like that we had, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
Um, so it's been fantastic having like a new family. And I think at the end of it, like to any parents with older children who might be listening, I think they understand like, you know, you're a piece of my heart does live in San Diego. Another piece lives in the Midwest somewhere. But as long as they're happy, you're okay. Like you miss them, but she's so happy and you can just see it and you could feel it like at their wedding. And it was just lovely, you know? So, um, it, yeah, so all good things. All good things. Does it feel like the mother-daughter relationship? I mean, obviously you'll always see her as like little girl her. Yeah. But does it change any now that she's married? I think it does. I think it changes not just because she's married, but I think it changes as they become adults and they sort of grow into their own and they live on their own and they have their own jobs and make their own money and you know, all those kinds of things. My husband and I, um, even when they were in college, my husband and I used to look at each other all the time and we're like, there's a gazillion books on how to like potty train some kids. There's a gazillion books on like sleep and babyish and all that. that I felt, you know, like to, to, to parent adult children is a whole new concept for us. Yeah. We haven't done it before. And I think that's the other thing that I realize is, and it makes me think about my parents, right? They were parenting when they parented me. That was the first time they'd done that too, right? So I'm like, there's no, like that. we talked about the guidebook before, but like parenting adult children um, is different. And it's about changing that dynamic a little bit, you know, because you no longer really tell them what to do, but you're still here for them. Um, I'm going to be honest. I do give um, a little bit of unsolicited advice at times, but I know I just, I, that's do. a mom thing. Like, I don't think <laughs> it's a mom thing. And I will tell you the way my mom and my mother-in-law both do it is what I try to emulate. They'll, they'll say it one time. Mm-hmm. They're like, listen, as your mom, I feel I have to tell you X, Y, and Z. So here I'm telling you, do with it what you will, that information. And I think that's kind of the approach that I've taken because then like, no one nags me about it then. You know, like my mom gets her say, my mother-in-law gets her say, like as mothers. And so that's what I try to do for my children. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but here's my opinion. Here's what I think about X, Y, and Z situation. Do with it what you will. Like I've done my duty as your mother and I've told you this in case you didn't realize this was what was happening. And um, and I will tell you many times when my mom has said it to me, like, you know, I, you think about it. Sometimes you listen. Sometimes you do what you want anyway. And I think that's with my children. And, you know, when they do what they want anyway, you you have to learn how to just keep your mouth shut. It's a lot about keeping your mouth shut. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shared before we hit record that you turned the book we're here to talk about today, Their Accidental Honeymoon, in back in like March of 2023. Yes. Um for anyone who hasn't read it yet, because it is it is newly released, gorgeous cover. How would you describe it to them? So this is my, uh, it's a best friends to lovers, fake engagement um, story. It is also, it's part of my Once Upon a Wedding series. And um, <clears throat> anyone who's read that series knows that the characters are connected, but the stories are standalone. So feel free to start at any at any point in time. Um, But this one is directly related to No Rings Attached because Param is the groom that Sangeeta left behind when she ran. 
So when she ran and I did her story, I was like, wow, this is a really nice guy. Like he needs his own story. So this is, this is his story. And it's definitely a best friends to lovers and a solid fake engagement in there. So why did you choose the best friends to lovers for Parham's romance? Because it is so good. Uh, Ronnie is, I loved Ronnie. Like she's, she's this amazing doctor. So, you know, she has this big heart and she really loves her best friend. But I could really feel with her kind of that hesitation to go there. But yeah, what, what, what inspired the best friends to lovers? Like, why did you want to go that route for him? So I don't think I've done a best friends to lovers yet. Um, but I also, there's a couple of different reasons. One, it just occurred to me as I was writing Sangeeta's story that Param's best quote on like best woman at his wedding to her was Ronnie and that was his very best friend. Um, and so then I was like, well, this is great. And then I went best friends to lovers. Um, my husband and I are best friends to lovers. My daughter and her new husband are best friends to lovers. And I will tell you that when my best friends to lovers was playing out when I was like 19 or 20 years old, I had a great deal of hesitation. Um, because Devin was my best friend and we connected on so many levels. We weren't best friends like Perm and Ronnie from the age of 14. We met each other a little bit later in life and just really connected. And I was really afraid of not having that if something went wrong. And when Anjali, when Anjali's best friends to lovers came about, she also had a little bit of a panic and she didn't know what to do with this information, right? Because I think it sort of, for her and for me, it wasn't like we realized we had these feelings. We all, one day, one minute, we don't have them. And then the next minute, all of a sudden, you're like kissing your best friend and you're like, what is going on? Like, that's what happened to me. And I was like, what is happening? So the guys, both in both situations, both men seem to have a little bit more realization of how they felt to like talk about it and both my daughter and I were like yeah uh -uh, we're not doing <laughs> we're not doing this so I felt like I, I you know you write what you kind of know a little bit so since Parm and Ronnie ended up being best friends I was like you know what let's give this a whirl and you know Ronnie's has I'm glad that you said that you could feel Ronnie's hesitation because it literally comes from my life from my daughter's life from feeling that hesitation at, on the woman's side of things yeah, I think with because I I love friends to lovers, and I I when I was reading their romance, I was like, it's been a while since I feel like I've actually read one, and I it just hit me that like I personally think it has to be one of the toughest tropes to do, and I think that I think it stems from like people will ask, well, if they've been best friends, why didn't they just realize it a long time ago? Mm -hmm. And I think what you, I don't know. I feel like I never really had that moment with this book. It was just like, all of a sudden he needs his best friend. She's there. They have this like moment where like there's a beautiful kiss. And it was just like, Mona just gave this them like earth shattering, changing moment that all of a sudden Ronnie's like, huh, my best friend's pretty hot. He's a good kisser. And yeah, <laughs> he's my best friend. Why haven't I ever thought of this for like both of them? So would you say it was tough or, or was it an easier trope to write? Um, I don't know that it was an easier trope to write. Um, the hardest trope I feel to write for me and I can't and I'm trying it again is enemies to lovers. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was really hard. This one was a little bit easier, maybe maybe because I felt like I had more to pull from. Because it was real life for you, right? Right. It was. It was. It, there was an element of like real life for us, and I feel like I, for that, like I had more to pull from in terms of um, the feelings and things, and then you know, it does mirror what was going on in my life. So them having to like pretend to be married or pretend to be getting married, um, that was a little bit easier to write because I was doing all of those things. I was going to Edison and shopping and we were, you know, trying like for my daughter. So we were getting all those things together. So those details were easier to put in because I was literally doing that at that moment in time. Um, But um, I... It's not the hardest one for me to write. This one, all of my books, I hit a point where I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to make this happen? Um, But um, I, you know, you just want to, you want to make it believable. Like you said, like a lot of people with best friends to lovers, they're like, if they're such good friends, then how come they didn't know? And so that was really key for me to kind of be able to put that in. It's not that they didn't know, but it's that they had certain fears and certain things Mm -hmm. that they wanted to and I think for anyone who has like a best friend like that, um, who's like their person, you know, to take that risk to say, let's do something more, let's act on these feelings. It's a little bit risky, you know, um, because if it doesn't go well, now you've, you, you potentially have lost like a very, very big p- a piece of your heart type of thing, you know, so you're, there's a lot at risk. Um, there. So I think that's what I was trying to portray is that it's not, why didn't we do this before? It's why, like what's happening now in our lives? Who are we right now that we're willing to take this risk, that type of thing, you know, because you're a different person at different parts in your life, right? Like they could have kissed when they were 15. It would have meant something different than when they kissed when they were almost 30. Yeah. Like that they're just, everyone's just different people in their different lives with your experiences and things. Now I'm rambling. Sorry. No, you're fine. I I mean, I have a podcast. I need rambling. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to ask, and you kind of already shared a lot because it was really happening in your life. You were helping plan this beautiful wedding. But like, is there any other behind the scenes of like writing the book that you can share? Oh, you mean like wedding wise? Or just like while you were writing, like, oh, I got really hooked on listening to this song, or I watched this movie 10 oh, times to keep me in the mood. Wow. Like just any tidbits. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Every one of my books has um, a playlist. And Param and Ronnie, I did listen to um, quite a bit. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the song right now that I listened to when I was like, so hooked on them. But I think I honestly think for them, I really just dipped into my own life and uh, whatever I knew about like Anjali and stuff like in terms of those feelings, the sibling things. Um, so, you know, she has two sisters, he has two brothers. So those dynamics, I dipped into our family at that point. I don't have, like my sisters are my husband's sisters. I have like a, my brother is like my, my one real sibling, but, um, and also his wife is like a sister to me. So you know, as we were like planning this wedding, we had sort of this whole sibling thing going on. My my daughter and her brother and their few their cousins are basically siblings. So it's like she has 10 siblings. That's how close they are. So I tapped into 
those uh, dynamics and those relationships and those conversations to make these dynamics with these siblings kind of similar. Um, I also think that, the, you know, a guy cooking for the woman he loves is just so, so cute. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Speaking of cooking for her, cause I highlighted, I was going to ask you like if you had a favorite scene. So one of my, fa- and this is like just such a chill moment, but I highlighted and I wrote, I love this so much. So she had practically, he had bought her some food cause she was at work. She practically yeah. attacked the food. She was so hungry. Easy there. Don't make me do the Heimlich. It's not my forte. Param joked. He quite often cooked for her when she worked hours like this. Sometimes it was the only time they had to check in with each other. And I was like, that was to me, I was like, okay, that is the like quintessential. They've been friends for a long time. They know each other so well. And I'm like, Ronnie, he's so perfect for you. <laughs> like yeah. he knows you probably haven't eaten. <laughs> yes. No. And that was, that was the thing that I tried to make happen um, with, oh, here we go. I'm sorry. Can I, can I backtrack for a second? I, yes, found yes, yes. Song. I found the song that I listened to all the time. And it was Harry Styles as it was because oh, I love it that song. as it was, right? And I just, that was one of the ones. And the other one was um, Be All Right. I mean, that's a breakup song, but I mean, I was just, that that kind of gave me some of the feels. But as it was, was one of the, I just played it over and over because that was the theme that I was going for when, you know, when they hit their black moment or even when they kiss each other or whatever. It's never, it's never going to be the same as it was, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Um, that is so such an was, amazing song. I love that, that song was, so much. That was a song that I played over and over again during that time. Um, and in terms of what the, the more recent question you were talking to me about, about him cooking for her and the dynamic, um, for him to know that she hasn't eaten, that's how, that, that's a level of closeness, right? Like usually only your mom knows if you've eaten or not. Um, and she doesn't have a mom, right? And her sisters, not that they don't love her, but they do different things. But Perm has been her friend for so long and he cares about her. And that's how he shows his love, right? That's like his love language is feeding her. Um, and, and so to me, that's an indication of the fact that he has loved her for a very long time, whether or not he knew it, because this is what he does. He monitors like her shift has she eaten blah 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 um and then if you're gonna ask me what my favorite scene to write it 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 was later in the book when um they're not talking to each other but um he she comes to his house to try on some clothes and his mother makes him feed her (laughs) (laughs) yeah because because she finds out that she ate hospital food and she literally looked at her son and she's like, this is how you treat your future wife. She has to take care of these children and you're letting her eat junk out of a vending machine. What is the matter with you? Go make her a meal. Yeah. Um, and he does. And she doesn't want to be that. She doesn't want to eat it. And he's just, you know, but he does because that's what that's his mom is eating right there. Um, and to me, like that, that scene, like the juxtaposition of like the tension that they have between each other and yet the love that is being shown by like making her fresh food right then and there um, is what it was one of my favorite things to get down on paper to really like make sure I could ha- hopefully like get 
the tension as well as the love in that same that same scene. I think that one of my favorite I mean I I I also love anything fake engagement, fake wedding and I'm always interested in like the why. Why are they going to do this? And I think with your why it also really highlighted, I think, one of the things that we love about Special Edition, the like emphasis on community. And I think if you're a fan of like Special Edition, for example, you read so many of them that you kind of are just so used to it, you don't really think about the thing. And I, as I was reading their romance, I was like, oh, this is a reminder of like why this is so special. And because their why is so much more, I think, bigger than them and it shows what kind of people they are and it really highlighted the importance of family and the importance of community so why did you want to go that route for their fake engagement like giving them that reason like the, the oh the, the reason i gave them to pretend to be married yeah i mean he needs he, he wants access to the trust but it's not for a selfish reason no no it's to help his brother right mm-hmm. um well one it plays into the fact that she's a doctor um, the other, you know, I just, because to, in my life, I'm like, who would not want to do that for their sibling? Who would, what is there that you would not do to help your sibling, you know, survive? So, I mean, we're not spoiling anything by saying he needed money for like a experimental surgery to survive, basically mm-hmm. to live. Um, I'm like, who wouldn't do that? Like, what is... I think about my siblings and I'm like, there really isn't anything that I wouldn't do. So to pretend to have to be married to my best friend is really super easy yeah. to do, yeah. right? To, to get this money and pretend to do this just so that um, my brother would uh, be able to get like a life-changing um, a lot or a life-saving um, surgery. It, it was almost a no-brainer. So they don't even really... Um, need to think about it. And that's why I was, I, you know, I, I try to show sort of that bond of like their family, not only their individual families, but how their families were bonded to each other. Yes. Right? How, how she literally considered Parham's younger brother to almost be our bro- to be like a brother of hers. Right. Um, and how she, you know, so a little bit of how she looked after him when, when they were little kids and how he, looked after his little brother when they were little kids. So it's like a lifetime thing. And I, I don't know, it just, it seemed to make sense to me in terms of bringing family into it. And, you know, she does say at one point, she's like, you know, when they, when they question whether they question whether or not um, they should be doing this because there's money going into this wedding and now their parents, their families are invested and, and they're just like, you have to, we have to go through this. And at, at the end, they're like, once they find out the reason, who's really going to be mad at us? You know, <laughs> like that kind exactly. of thing. And they were right about that, right? Like, you know, it, when she said, when, when they say that, well, who's going to be mad at us if we're doing it to save someone's life? Like, no, they might not be thrilled, but they're not going to really be, it's not going to be like a horrible, they're not going to be super mad at us, right? We're just going to do this. Um but at the same time, they couldn't be upfront about it because no one was going to actually allow it to happen. And they needed that belief. They needed, you know, so then I, you know, you have the person who's holding the trust and you have to prove it to them. So the less people who know that you're faking, the better, because it's got to feel authentic within the storyline. So, yeah. 
we have to talk about this cover. Like, what did you turn in to the art department for us to get this gorgeous cover? And when you saw it, what did you think? I love it. And I, you know what? Um, uh, My editor, Susan, had come back to me and she's like, we're going to do something a little tropical, which is a little different than some of my other my other covers and everything. And so she just um, had me like send her some uh, pictures of what they looked like um, as well. And like what they might be wearing and that kind of thing. Although she's very familiar with what they would be wearing nowadays after doing five covers already. Um, So basically I think I just sent them like pictures of what I thought my hero and heroine looked like They're you know, pulled them from like the, like Bollywood or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that was it. They do a great job. Susan is really, um, I heard you had her on a couple weeks ago and I listened to that. Um, Susan has just always been really, really proactive and very, very supportive of like being very, very careful about what goes on my cover. Um, and so that it's representative and, but, and yet still falls within that sort of category Harlequin, like cover thing that people are looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, she's nailed them. All my covers are great. Um, they're all beautiful. They all have beautiful people on them and they all, um, represent the characters that I have inside. So, um, yeah. yeah. The models are gorgeous. I yeah, love I the beautiful yeah. green from the trees, the sky, it's got like that little bit of pink. Like you can tell the sun's going down in the background. It is mm. gorgeous. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. I was like, Mona, what did you tell them to do? Cause they nailed it. They, they, they just do, they just do a good job now. I mean, they're, they're so good now. Yeah. Yeah. When I chatted with Susan, she told me something you have coming up. It sounds like a road trip or something. Like what is next from you? Oh, yeah. So for the 75th, right, it's Arlequin's 75th anniversary this year. Um, I guess if she talked, she did talk about it. So it's it's called Road Trip Rivalry. And it is a professional rivals to lovers type of thing. So enemy-ish, but they're also in the same uh, profession, but they're rivals. Um, And it's a road trip. So they, uh, the hero, the, the hero lives in Ireland, the heroine travels to Ireland for a big conference and, um, they end up having to road trip together with an older, with a grandmother. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Who is matchmaking them the whole time. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, yeah, so they, they, they drive and they go see these beautiful places and things happen and yeah. So is that what's next or have are you working on anything now? I think that is next along with, um, I also have a Christmas novella um, that comes out oh. around the same time. I, I honestly don't have my dates in front of me and that's my first ever um, novella and it's my first ever Christmas story. Um, and that is, um, Snow, a snowed in, uh, a marriage in trouble, and they're snowed in. Ooh, okay. Um, in like a little Christmas inn somewhere <laughs> in Connecticut. Um, so that's coming out at some point. Um, I'm currently working on the. Ne- so those aren't part of the Once Upon a Time a Wedding series, even though they're special edition. Um, I'm currently working on my next Once Upon a Wedding. 
Um, and it is actually Rena's oldest sister, Karina. So she's a single mom. Okay, Karina. So, yes. Okay. She's a chef. She's a single mom. And that one is actually like a rival slash enemies to lovers uh, as well right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. so much. So many. You write such fun books, Mona. You write uh, really, really fun books. Thank you. Well, can you share with everyone where we can keep up with you online? Obvious. Um, of course. So I am most active on Instagram and that's at Mona Shroff author. Um, I am quote unquote on TikTok. It's at Mona sees and writes, but I'm not there as much as I should be. Uh, Mona Shroff author on Facebook and my website is Mona D Shroff, um, Mona D Shroff.com. But uh, Instagram is really the best place to find me. I'll do uh, most of my postings there. And okay. ooh, I have a newsletter. <laughs> okay. I'll have links all of that below. I feel like most of us have kind of given up on TikTok. I know I'm like, I'll get on there to watch, but I'm not posting. Yeah. Anything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. you have books to write, so you cannot be in all the places. I mean, I, I admire the, the people who are, but uh, the video thing just takes too long to like yeah. edit and all that. Um, I just started my newsletter a few months ago. I believe there's a newsletter sign up like in my bio. There's a link to it in my bio, um, like on Instagram or any of these places and stuff like that. So I am trying to, so when I do my newsletter, I try to put things in there that like before, like first, before it gets onto Instagram. So if you want to hear things first, or if you want to see special pictures, like I've been posting wedding pictures that I'm not necessarily posting online to encourage that newsletter. Um, it's all there. Okay. I personally have loved seeing you post photos of like the signings you've been going to. <laughs> you were like the one author that I'm like, where is Mona going to next? <laughs> I've got a bunch coming up next month too. February is going to be busy. Well, with Valentine's Day, right? It always is. So I'm looking forward to being at a few libraries locally and um, local Barnes and Nobles. And then I'll also be at Coastal Magic for anybody who is going to Coastal Magic. Okay. Well, I will have links to everything. As always, thank you so much. I can't wait for you to come back. You'll have more books. I have a podcast. We have to talk about them. We do. We do. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Bree. I love, love chatting with you.